Romans chapter 12. Let me read a few verses. Uh, starting from verse 9 in Romans chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And uh, I meant to say before we went on, the first voice that you heard in that video was uh, was David's uh, niece, Hannah. Uh, she recorded uh, a voice for us for that for that video, expertly recorded by Andrew Gribben. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Romans 12, verse 9 to 13, but it's, there's a few verses in the middle of that that I'd love to think about for a few moments. But here in Romans chapter 12, especially here, especially here, it feels to me anyway, especially here, Paul is teaching us how to live as the family of God. That's, that's what he's doing. And this is what, we want to know what it is to be a family in mission. We want to know what it is to live out our lives as the, as the sons and daughters of the Father. We want to li- know what it is to live out, uh, live out this, the Jesus way as the children of God. Paul gives us pretty clear instructions here. Pretty challenging words. I think especially, maybe, especially at verse 10, when he tells us that we would honor one another above ourselves, that we would prefer one another. We would prefer one another. There's another version that I was reading uh, last night, actually, that says that we would compete with each other in giving mutual respect. That's what, that's what, Paul's, that's what Paul's saying here. And, uh, and so we, I feel like I want to do that today. I want to want to be competitive with the ladies. I'm going to compete with you in giving and uh, compete in giving mutual respect and preferring you this morning and in uh, honouring you this morning. I prefer prefer the ladies. And I and I think the challenge for us, the challenge for I think for the ladies in the room. And I, and I would say the challenge for all of us is that there is maybe some restrictions that have been placed on ladies. And that's why today I want to, not just today actually, not just as a token gesture, I hope you've heard some of our language, I hope you've heard some of the things that uh, it's, it's been sparked in me, especially over the last couple of weeks, as, the, as, the, as, as God's been, been seemed to be saying stuff, as, as Neville's came and, and shared some stuff, and David's came and shared some stuff. And my increasing sense over the last couple of years as I've considered this, there is a, I've been challenged by it as there is some restrictions that have been placed on ladies. And I'd love this morning that we'd be able to do it, to lift some of those, to lift some of those uh, restrictions that have been placed on ladies. And going right back to one of the songs that we sang at the beginning, and, and it's my prayer for all of us, my prayer for all of us that uh, there would be no other voice would define us. There'd be no other tradition that would define us. There'd be no other interpretation would define us but his voice, that we belong to him. And I pray, pray that for all of us today. If you can flick over a few chapters and I want to just share um, a, couple of, a couple of, share about a, about a couple of ladies in Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. 
And I don't know how I don't know how somebody was able to to research this. I don't know how true it is, but um, I can't even quote where I got the stat from. Uh, but there was a stat that said that First Chronicles chapter one, right through to chapter nine, and Romans chapter sixteen are the least preached chapters in the Bible. And uh, and so I'm not going to go through the whole of Romans chapter 16 today um, because some of you are glancing down it and already are like, how is, he, how is he going to preach a message that Paul is pretty much wrapping up his letter and telling him, uh, letting us know all the people that he wants to say hello to. But it is, there is, for me, reasons why this uh, chapter uh, could be significant. Can I just say at the start there that I'm, I just feel aware that as I look around the room that there's people from different nations that have, uh, that have come at this conversation differently because of their upbringing. There's people in this room that have been part, brought up in a different denomination. And whenever it comes to the conversation around, around women, around ladies, and their role within the, within the church, that we all we, we all have come with different traditions. We all have come with with uh, different bias, and and the reality is that's what it is. It is a bias. We all we every time we come to the Bible, every time we read anything historical, it comes with a certain bias, and and um, and so I'm just I'm just sensitive to that th- this morning. But I just want to highlight a couple of the the women that are in this in this chapter. Romans chapter 16, verse 1 says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Kentria. I made a hash of that, but she's a servant of the church. And uh, Paul goes on to say, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. And uh, and I it was, it was a few months ago that I that I came across Romans chapter that I started to look a bit more intently at Romans chapter sixteen. It's one of those books I I can be guilty of uh, reading through books. In fact, I think I do it to most books, especially those that have the acknowledgments at the end. So I don't know if you're like me. You get to the last chapter. You get to the last bit of juicy detail to finish off the letter to finish off the story and then the author at the end of it is put I want to thank my mom and I want to thank my dad and I want to thank all these people there's a whole list of names then to put at the back and I'm never interested and I feel like that's probably the way I was a wee bit with Romans chapter 16 but it was a while back that I that I just became completely I just became so interested in seeing if there's anything more that we could find out from some of these uh, from some of these characters that are mentioned uh, they're part of the, the part of this apostolic team that Paul has been that ha, Paul has gathered around himself to go and evangelize cities and establish churches, and that's what many of these people here are. The, this is a list of the people that were part of the apostolic team that Paul had gathered around himself and released and uh, and chosen and called and empowered and released to evangelize cities and to establish churches. <clears throat> And he starts out his he comes to the he comes to the first person and it's Phoebe. And it's fascinating to find out a wee bit more about Phoebe. Phoebe was the person that Paul entrusted the letter of Romans to. 
a lot of what Paul, a lot of what we have from Paul is, is, uh, is dialogue, it's letters back and forth to the different churches and to Timothy and to Titus, to Philemon. But Romans really, and I think, I don't know who said it, but I think there's some that have said this is his theological masterpiece. Everything, all his theology, all his doctrine, it's all wrapped up in this incredible work. Romans, this letter that he's, that he's wrote, uh, that he's written to the church of Rome. And this was a place that he'd never been to. Paul had not yet visited, uh, had not yet visited these people. And so what he was putting down, was it feels like what he's putting down is everything that he's gathered, everything that's been revealed. And he's still, it's still not him that goes to present it to, the, to this church in Rome. It's Phoebe that he gives it to. Paul entrusts Phoebe with this letter, with this theological masterpiece. And so as, as Phoebe went to the church in Rome, she would have been the one entrusted to read it. Because many of the people, many of those that she would have been going to, would not have been able to read. And they would not have been able to understand all of its contents. In fact, we still battle over it today, don't we? But here was Phoebe, sent by Paul, entrusted with this letter, to have it read out, not only read it out, but the one that would explain all of its contents. And so much ink has been spilt over uh, this letter. So many commentators have written, uh, have written different understandings, different interpretations. So much has been said. So much has been written. But I want you to know that the very first preacher of the book of Romans was a woman. The very first preacher of this theological masterpiece was Phoebe. And so I am, I am so aware, I'm so aware of, again, as I've said, of the different possibly the different positions that, that are in this room. But our series that we've been looking at uh, over the last um, number of months has been into the deep. And my challenge has been around our prayer life, has been around our, our how we worship. But I think even as we think about how we approach the word, very often we come and, and we, we skim read across. We have a surface reading of scripture and, and so my challenge to all of us today is that maybe there is a maybe there is an invitation for us to push a little deeper to move beyond the surface and to push in and look a little deeper the more i'm surrounded by the people and the women especially in this room the in more increasingly i were aware i am of the incredible giftedness that's in this place incredibly Incredible giftedness of the women that are uh, are around us. I'm also aware, and uh, I've already mentioned this to Neville, uh, his, sort of getting his permission to mention Amelia. Amelia is a, is a strong daughter. Amelia is a strong woman. And there's other daughters, and, and maybe something shifted in me, being a, being a dad to a young daughter, being a dad to a young girl. But as I, as I watch Amelia... She's a leader in the making. She's a leader in the making, and I would and I would hate, I would hate that there would be a few isolated verses in the letters of Paul that would restrict Amelia from being all that God has called her to be. I would hate that anybody else in this room, any any gifted, talented, anointed, anointed by God, to do whatever it is that He's called them to do, that there would be a few isolated verses in Paul's letters that would cause us to build a theology that would restrict women 
from being all that God has called them to do, all that he has anointed them to do, and anointed them to be. And can I say this? I am by no means saying that we ignore the verses that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 11, um, 1 Peter, and uh, 1 Timothy. I suppose what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying to you this morning is, is if, there's, if, there's a, if there's an interest almost in, in going a bit deeper into this, let, let's, well, if, if you're not going to ignore those isolated verses, well, then let's, let's tackle them. Let's, let's face them head on. And, um, and so I'm willing to do that. If there's interest, we can, we, can, we can do that. We don't have time to do that this morning. I'm wanting to almost paint the, big, the bigger picture, paint a bigger picture today. And it's Romans chapter 16, verse 7, uh, that I'd love you to look at for a moment. Greet Andronicus and Junius. Greet Andronicus and Junius. My relatives who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. Andronicus and Junius outstanding among the apostles. I don't have time again this morning, but you know, they've tried to, they've tried to silence, they've tried to, to wipe, um, they've tried to wipe that, the name out and, uh, and the NIV still hasn't, my NIV version still hasn't corrected it. But I'm hoping that for many of you, any of the modern versions, it will say junior. After, not long after the Reformation, uh, an S was added on to the name Junius. Junius was a, was a male name that just did not exist. But theologians and, and those that had a certain understanding of the role of women, they couldn't handle that Paul was calling out uh, a woman as an apostle who was outstanding among everybody else. They couldn't handle it. And they added an, an S. And for, for a couple of hundred years, it... Uh, it stayed like it stayed an S. Then eventually they they put in the footnotes that it can also be it could also be Junior. And eventually, not even that long ago, all the translations, all the translations now have acknowledged the mistake, and it's back in. Junior has been revived. Junior is alive and well again, in Romans sixteen verse seven. Great Andronicus and Junior this woman who was outstanding among the apostles. She was reckoned to be the, her, and, her and Andronicus, the lead, the lead um, apostolic team in Rome. And so here is, a, here is a woman outstanding among the apostles, a, a preacher of the gospel, a church planter, a miracle worker, Junia. And so I want you to know about Junia. There is not a whole pile of information we have about her here in Scripture. But what we do have is that as a woman who was outstanding among the apostles. And what that meant, that she was part of the team that planted churches, that preached the gospel and seen miracles and wonders. And she was anointed. She was just simply anointed and gifted by the Holy Spirit. Nothing to do with, nothing to do with gender. She was anointed and she was gifted. And Paul gives us hints Paul gives us hints to, to the trajectory that he is wanting to take us on, that he's wanting to take the early church on. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29, it says, You are all children of God through faith in Jesus. 
You see, every one of you who has been baptized into the Messiah has put on the Messiah. There is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free. There is no longer male and female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And for us, that's, that's maybe no big shock this morning, but in the, the patriarchal culture that Paul was living in, that the church was birthed in, this was big. This was a big deal. This was huge that Paul was saying there is no longer slave or free. There's no longer Jew or Greek. All those divisions that you've been created because of Jesus are now gone. All of those hierarchical structures that you have made, that you've put in place, are no longer exist because of Jesus. They're no longer, they're no longer exist. The hierarchical structures. And hierarchy, it's simply meaning people arranged in order of importance. And in those, and in the day that Paul was speaking to, in those days what Paul was speaking into, the women were not allowed to learn. And that becomes really important for us. If we're gonna if we're gonna look at First Timothy chapter two, then that becomes really important for us to know. The women were not allowed to learn. And you know what? Even worse than that, the women were not maybe not even worse, but the women were not allowed to eat until the men had eaten and until the sons had eaten. So the men would eat, and then the men then the sons would eat. And then the women. That is the level of patriarchy. That is the level of hierarchical culture that Paul was speaking into. And I think it's, it's really important for us to know that. And I think it's really important for us to know in, through the ministry of Paul, the trajectory that he was going on. 35% of Paul's apostolic team, as I've already, as I've already said, were women. And so the, the trajectory that Paul has taken us on is going against the flow of the culture around him. It's going against that hierarchical, patriarchal culture that is, that is around him. And I know for me, as I've wrestled with this over the last couple of years, I, I, just, I just don't want to go in the opposite direction of what, what, where Paul has taken us. And we, could speak, we, we, could, we could speak so much about Jesus. Like, we could speak about about how it was, the, it was the women that were the first ones to present, to preach the resurrection message. It was, it, was, uh, it was how Jesus changed everything in his interaction with the woman at the well and the woman caught in adultery. But there's a certain flow that, 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 that the ministry of Jesus and the life of Paul takes us on. There's a certain trajectory, and, and I don't want to go against that. I don't want to go back the other way. And the challenge for me is I, as, I just, as I consider my own response to some of this, and as I consider what it is to be, to, to, to be in leadership of a church, it's often that the church can be the most hierarchical place. Often the church can be the most hierarchical place. The church can be the, can be the place where people are arranged in order of importance. Maybe that hasn't been your experience, and I hope and, and pray that it's not. I hope and pray that it no longer see that it no longer has to be because we are the ones that should be mutually submitting to each other. And we see that often and more than often in Paul's writing. We should be the ones that actually completely go against this hierarchical culture. We should be the ones that are mutually submitting to one another. We should be the ones that are calling out the gifts in one another. We should be the ones that are causing one another to flourish. And if we, again, if we had more time this morning, we could go right back to, to, to the order, to the, to the Genesis 1 mandate. That was the first gospel mandate that we have in Genesis chapter 1. When 
when God speaks and he says he's created everything else and now he comes to his, his greatest work of all and he creates man and woman in his own image. Male and female, he created them in his own image and then this was his mandate to the male and to the female. He released them to fill the earth. Go and fill the earth, subdue it and rule over it take responsibility and so that is the that is the 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 first gospel mandate that we've been given male and female created the image of god now go and fill the earth go and take control of it go and and lead it into life go and lead it into fullness and that was the call it's it's the it's the fall it's genesis 3 that was whenever man tried to, to take control and woman tried to take control from man. It was a result of the fall that this hierarchical culture was established. It was a result of the fall. And I want us to go back. Genesis 1 and, Genesis 1 and 2 are, are the place we go to see what it should have been like, what he created and what he was longing for. And he created male and female in his own image to fill the earth, to subdue and to rule. And so if we were to look back, I think that's what we would see. But if we wanted to look forward even, and I don't know if there's probably more work, that, more, ver- more stuff that we need to gather to, to converse around this. We're just reading Matthew chapter 22 over the last couple of days. And, and uh, in Matthew 22 verse 30, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to ask him questions that, are, that, uh, that they think they're going to be able to to embarrass him or put him to shame and and he just uh, just handles them so wonderfully. But they're asking about the they're asking about um, the resurrection. They're saying, well if well if a husband dies and is, has no children, well then he's he's passed to the next brother and after being married seven times, well then at the resurrection, who's who's she married to? Which which husband is she married to? Whenever we whenever we're resurrected, he's he's trying to the Sadducees are trying to trick him. They're trying to trip him up. But Jesus' response to them is, "In heaven, you will not be married, nor you will you be given in marriage, but you will all be like the angels in heaven." And I think there's a there's an argument for saying, as we look back, we see the way that it was supposed to be, and as we look forward, we see a glimpse of the way that it's going to be. There will neither be marriage or will we be given in marriage, but we'll all be like the angels in heaven. And so as we look back and as we look forward, um, there is a, a mutual submitting to one another. There is a mutual a mutual filling, subduing and ruling. And so as I finish, and, and, and I want Jenna, Jenna's going to come up and, and, and pray. As I was praying, as I continue, finished off praying last night, I just became so aware that there is so much else to tempt and to distract ladies, ladies, especially ladies in the room. There is enough, there is enough other things to tempt and distract you from living out the call and anointing that is on your life. There is so much. There is so much temptation and distraction to stop you from living out the call and anointing that is on each one of your lives. And so what I want to say this morning is don't let gender be one of them. 
don't let gender be one of them. And I'm, and I'm praying that t- this morning would be something of lifting the restriction that, is maybe, that you have maybe felt because of your experience, because of your tradition, because of whatever it is. There'd be something of that, that restriction would be lifted this morning. And there's enough else to distract you, but what I want to release you from is that gender is not one of them. Gender cannot be one of them. And it's not just a challenge for the ladies. I think it's a challenge for us all. Challenge for us all. And I, as I think about thinking about my role as a, as a leader, as I think about my role as a father and as a husband, as a friend, how can I live in such a way that I mutually submit to one another to call out the giftings that are evident, to call out and, and, uh, and see women, see ladies gifted and anointed to flourish. And so Jenna's going to come and, and pray for us. And um, There's something I've said that just, it just goes against some stuff that you've ever heard. I, please be, please let's, let's engage with this. I, I love that, that in Jewish, Jewish culture, Sorry, Jenna. I love that in the Jewish culture, as, they, as, they, um, as the Bible was closed, today for us, the Bible closes, and that's the end of the conversation. But back in, back in Jesus' day, the, when the Bible closed, that started the conversation. That's why I close my Bible, in a way that starts the conversation. And so how, and how can we live in such a way that's going to, we mutually submit, and we mutually call out and cause one another to flourish for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we celebrate all the women in our lives who have helped shape us. We are thankful for the women you put around us who inspire, invest and love us through the highs and the lows of our lives. We pray for each other and understand that some of our mothers and mother figures have caused us pain. Where we are feeling hurt, pour out your comfort, love and restoration. We thank you for the mother figures that help us through our struggles and share our tears. We thank you for the mother figures who laugh with us and share in our joy. We thank you for the mother figures who journey with us through our lives and don't give up on us. We thank you for the mother figures who are teachers, youth workers, parents, grandparents, social workers, carers and friends who bring us life. We recognize that because of these women, we have become who we are today. We pray that we would be reminded today that it is you who has worked through these beautiful people to show us your love, compassion, and discipline. We pray for children and young people who need mother and father figures to step into their lives, particularly those waiting for an adoptive or foster family. We ask for you to guide and challenge us to follow your word and love others with devotion, joy, hope, patience and faithfulness. We thank you that you are a perfect parent, giving us all the opportunity to be your children and to know your incomparable and unfailing love. Amen.